0: Welcome to In The Loop, a podcast from Plus One Robotics that spans the learning gap between warehouse automation and the technology that is driving the robotics industry. Learn from experts in industrial automation on how the supply chain is transforming as industry leaders explain their contributions to the robotics ecosystem. Listen in and stay In The Loop, powered by Plus One Robotics.
1: Hello, everybody. This is Brent Barcy with Plus One Robotics. Welcome to the In The Loop podcast. We're here today with Tompkins Robotics Chief Executive Officer, Mike Futch. Mike, thanks for coming in.
0: Brent, thank you for having me. I'm, it's a pleasure to be here at the Plus One offices. and I'm
1: looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, all the way from sunny Orlando, Florida. It's a little warmer there today than it is here. Yeah, yeah. You know, I moved down here from Detroit to South Central Texas, and it's 45 degrees today. So I wasn't planning on that, but here we are nonetheless. So thanks for coming in. So, tell us a little about Tompkins, give us a little bit of history, what do you guys do, where are you from, all that kind of stuff.
0: Well, well, Tompkins Robotics is uh, essentially a robotic sortation system that uses AMRs to sort items to fulfill your e-commerce orders, items to restock the shelves, items in returns, and it can also do parcel shipping and sortation, either in a hub for a carrier or the outbound dock area for a shipper. And so our core business is around robotic AMR sortation. So, what's an AMR? Autonomous mobile robot. Okay. And uh, our, our little robots—some uh, people call them our, our yellow minions and and uh, other things—but they're yellow and black. And um, if anyone wants to go to our website, they can check out and see videos of them.
1: Yeah. So we we're we're going to be announcing a strategic partnership pretty soon here. i after this probably before this podcast airs, but. We're doing some robot-to-robot activity. Um, that's that's what we're going to market with. Let's talk a little bit about the solutions. And, you know, there's small sorts. There's all types of different things going on today within these warehouses. And we're all going on some of what we call the big six at plus one. Talk a little bit about how your solution comes into play when it comes to how, how does this work? I mean, do you use conveyance versus Bombay based orders? All the things that are out there that people are talking about today. Where does Tompkins fit into this marketplace, and, and, and why do people need it? Because I believe they do, I mean, from a flexible standpoint. But I'd like to hear your, your take on and where it fits in the warehouse. Well, if we didn't believe in working together, we wouldn't be doing yeah, it. So, point. Um, yeah. um, when you think about
0: uh, sortation, uh, it can go anywhere from the realm of a put wall, where items are delivered to a human who walks up and down a put wall and puts items into that, to a high-end sortation system like a, a tilt tray or a crossbelt. And there are some in between, slide trays, bomb bays, et cetera. And so all of those systems of the past, and by the way, those have been around for decades. Those systems are all bolted to the floor, have hardwired electrical sprinklers. They're inflexible. There is a long lead time, and they're expensive. So by using AMRs and having a fleet of autonomous vehicles do what those larger systems of the past do, you reduce lead time, you reduce complexity. Your flexibility goes up big time. They're modular, scalable, even portable. Our system can be picked up and moved to another building across town over a weekend. And so it's a very
1: now. How can you do that from a permitting standpoint? I mean, we we do a lot of global rollouts today with with big customers, and you know the the, the permitting and all the things that go into a general contractor having to to really make sure this thing goes off with a hitch all of the. There's unions involved a lot of times. How do you do that from a permitting standpoint just to be able to pick something up and, and take it across town?
0: We haven't had a single system installed that required permits. Okay. So the systems go in, everything is on wheels, that rolls off trucks and hooks together. And so it's been classified as a mobile piece of equipment at every single site in the U.S. and Canada.
1: So that definitely helps with install and lead time. I mean, that that cuts it down drastically with regard to somebody who has to plan from a supply chain standpoint, to get this thing into the building and all the, all the things that that takes from a GC standpoint, I would think.
0: Oh, oh, definitely. So lead times reduced, cost is reduced. If you want to add some sortation points or you want to add an induction station, you bring them off a truck, you put them in place without cutting the system off. There is no downtime. And you just go to the screen
1: and configure those elements and turn them on. Now, from a technology standpoint, are you guys LiDAR-based, radar-based? Are, are you using a grid on the floor? How, do, how does that come about?
0: We have a patented navigation system where these tiles that are about a quarter of an inch thick lay across the surface, and there's a navigation grid in those tiles. Okay. And so the robots can go around other robots, but they always are following that grid. Okay. And typically our systems are one, two, three, four levels tall. And so you have these grids on every
1: level, and the robots are running their paths. So a throughput. And throughput's it's not a buzz term. That's that's what we live and die by in this industry. it What are people looking for from a throughput standpoint? You versus conventional way of doing things. How do you stack up? Well, the beauty of our system, because it's all modular,
0: we can go in the back room of a retail store and do a really small system, or we can go into a one and a half million square foot distribution center and do a really large system, much like a a tilt tray or a crossbelt. So it's scalable and it just has more or less robots, more and less, more or less divert locations, more or less inductions. And we can do automated induction, like we're talking about doing in right. your firm or what we have actually working in your lab. Yep. Um, and we can do manual induction. Um, as far as the systems of the past, these traditional systems I've been talking about, when we deploy our technology, it'll fit anywhere in the supply chain. It can be portable and move, but it's also scalable, modular, which gives a lot of flexibility that traditional automation has not provided okay. to many customers. And that flexibility is key in today's environment with all the dynamic things going on with order changings, channel changes, customer profiles changing. We live in a very dynamic world. I mean, just look at what's happening with world politics and and everything else. It's a very dynamic environment. COVID,
1: e-commerce growth, everything that's happened here in the last two or three years. Yeah, you mentioned kind of a smaller footprint. And I know the folks in Bentonville are all in on micro-fulfillment just read a study that came out that 10 billion is going to be spent in the next 3 years just in the micro fulfillment space. Talk about that. Talk about, you know, where Tompkins fits into that micro fulfillment area because it, we're hearing people are starting to lease or take over old Sears and Roebuck stores in July for peak season. Like how how hmm. do you how does Tompkins fit into that because if you're, with a with a modular solution like that, I would think it would fit in pretty well, right? Well, we we believe so. Yeah. And uh, we have we have uh,
0: two micro fulfillment customers right now, and we have others in contract negotiation. But um, most of the people that are talking about micro fulfillment right now, they're talking about ASRS or automated storage and retrieval systems. Okay, and there's a group of firms that do that, and uh, most of the, some of these firms came from the warehousing industry. Some are new startups that uh,
1: just are doing micro fulfillment. And what uh, is your what what is the the industry definition of micro fulfillment for somebody who might be listening? from a, a grocery chain, right? Like what do they a smaller grocery chain? What is a micro fulfillment? What does that mean to the to the to the average Joe and Jane? Well, hyper local fulfillment. Okay. So order
0: fulfillment in the hypermarket. Okay. And so when we're talking about that, that could be the back room of a store or a super center or a mall anchor or something like that. Okay. It could be a dark store where customers can drive up and get curbside service and also you fulfill home for delivery in a local market. It can even be an urban environment where you take an old office building that's five stories tall and you put receiving, shipping, and order fulfillment on the ground floor and use freight elevators moving up and down to bring the inventory into storage and out of storage on the other four floors. Okay. So imagine downtown Chicago, downtown New York, you could actually put a micro-fulfillment system in a a building like that. Okay. Interesting. Now, now we also consider micro-fulfillment to be last-mile sortation hubs because you're getting down to within five, ten miles of the end delivery right. point, and you could have a process or a facility that's doing sortation of packages and goods and orders going to those
1: homes. You mentioned lead times earlier, and I want to go back to that. I mean, lead times for everything. I mean, IPCs, industrial arms, everything has gone up. How do you? I'm assuming yours has as well, but stacking up against whether it's a bomb-based order or general conveyance, how do you how do you guys stack up on lead times today? If somebody comes to Tompkins and says, you know what, this is what we need, when can I get it? Because that's the first thing that people ask us. Yeah, this is great. When, when can you install, right? You know, interestingly enough, we were saying
0: six months in 2020. Okay. We're still saying six months. Okay. From contract to go-live. And how do we do that? Well, what we've done is we've added a lot of vendors. So we have more vendors than we had back then. So we can... Um, Without overstressing their capacity, we can spread it out among more vendors. We also have better buying buying clout now right? because of the volume we're doing. And so, therefore, we have more control over those suppliers. The biggest problem we've had right now is the lead time for uh, anything that's coming from overseas right? because of the water transport. Yep. But we're ordering in advance in anticipation of orders to make that not be an issue.
1: So don't we have, I mean, we've got a demo in our customer experience center right now, and we're taking this demo up to, to Modex. We're all really excited about the robot to robot application. We 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 know that there's a need for this in in the marketplace. Talk about the application that's on our floor today and and, and how this is gonna we th- we think this is gonna fit into the marketplace. What are, what are people gonna see at Modex when they come to come to the plus one booth?
0: Well, the, first off, they're gonna see your technology picking up parcels, items. Putting them onto our T sort robot, and then the T sort robot sorts it to a destination. And it's a very small system just to give people the concept so they can understand and appreciate it. But with the uh, uh, leading edge technology that you guys have, to be able to grasp those products, those packages in a high speed manner and put them onto our robots, which flow by in a high speed manner, is really game changing because of the speed at which that system can leverage your technology and ours and do higher volume processes, is really going to light the market up, I think.
1: You say speed, what throughput do we think that a dual arm system can get on on, on this system? When somebody comes to our booth at Modex, they're gonna go, yep, I need that. How many packages can you sort for me in an hour? What what, what do we think the throughput's gonna be?
0: Well, I, I believe it's gonna be 2,500 or north of that yep. for a dual arm system, Yep. and then you can put that, that's just one induction, right. feeding our robots. So now imagine you put four induction stations with a dual arm. The T-sorts just flow in and out of those locations. Now you're at 10,000. There's no reason. uh, Our system scales up, so there's no reason why we can't add more inductions with your technology and our robots picking up the product and 10, 20, 30,000. We actually have a site that's doing 36,000 an hour right now.
1: And how many sort locations is that for 36,000 an hour?
0: That system has 1,700 sort destinations. (laughs) Imagine trying to do that with the traditional technology of the past
1: it's not happening no
0: well, we actually have one site that has twenty seven hundred really <laughs> yes
1: and how big of a how big of a footprint is your so from a Tompkins standpoint can, are you able to disclose how many bots that takes or how big of a- footprint that takes for you
0: that particular system that has two thousand seven hundred sort points okay has three hundred and forty four robots okay, and I believe it's roughly thirty two thousand square feet wow that's it's not
1: as big as I would have thought for that many well for, for it, that many if, you, if you did there it there.
0: with the traditional sortation where you have the big shoots coming down right with a big you know snaking sorter it would
1: be four times that. so talk about talk about that a little bit. That's a good point because a lot of people are, are from a brownfield and a greenfield standpoint are you, are you obviously we green are the mm-hmm. easiest for us to do but from a brownfield perspective how does how does that work if somebody says you know what we really think we need to do this? Is it painful to get into a brownfield situation? I know a lot of times it is for all of us, but when it comes to really scaling up Tompkins, how, do, how does it work in a brownfield uh, building?
0: It's a little more complicated. The whole scheduling precedent and, and everything that has to happen and coordinating everything. Right. But um, you know, uh, over 50% of our installs are brownfield. Okay. We go into an existing operation. And <clears throat> the, the client may be replacing the system where we do it in a phased approach to tear out and replace, or it could be they free up some space and we just go in. Um, But uh, brownfields, if it's planned and managed correctly, with both the resources on the client side and our side, and any other
1: suppliers that are are participating, there's no difference in the lead time, six months. Now, how about from a footprint standpoint? Going with their traditional sortation methodology, and you guys, are you, are you a third or are you 50% of the footprint? Do you, do you have an idea of, of, of how much space? Because real estate is 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 expensive inside those four walls, right? Everybody needs as much space as they possibly can get because they're trying to get as much product out the door. Where do you guys fit in in that respect of, of your competition?
0: Well, traditional sortation systems, like I've been talking about, yep. uh, they typically are anywhere from uh, three times to two times the space okay. consumed. And it's because of what I just said a moment ago, these long shoots coming down and the spread between sort the sortation track and where the endpoint of the order fulfillment takes place at the bottom of these chutes. And so um, because of install, I mean uh, induction platforms, the chutes coming down, the way the systems are always a, a big loop or a, a snaking conveyor loop system, they take up a lot more space. Now, it depends on the system as well. Uh, a Bombay type sorter that does more of a straight down sort will not take up as much space right. as a tilt tray or a cross belt. And so it really depends upon the type of system we're talking about. But normally we're somewhere between half to a third of the space of traditional sortation.
1: Half to a third of the space and around six month lead time. So it's... It's, it's it's and ro- we're less expensive <laughs> and we're more flexible. Well, I mean, yeah. I'm sold. I'm sold. You've got I got you in here. You know, you don't have to sell me anymore in a shorter lead yeah, time. Right, right. Right.
0: I could throw a couple more darts at the board if you like. You, no, that's that's what that's what we're supposed to do here. Uh, and 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 by the way, Brent, uh, because of these types of features of this technology, and the way it can scale up with your business, uh, we've gone past the piloting and uh, first site install with a lot of customers now. We have one customer that's uh, uh, under contract for seven systems right this minute that are in process or okay. already installed with a another with a 23-total site rollout that they're planning to do. So uh, this is uh, exciting times for us. We're actually hitting that point where people are doing mass rollout of our technology across multiple sites okay. as opposed to just doing a first pilot. And I know you guys are familiar with doing a pilot oh, yeah. and then you start escalating up.
1: Yeah. And we're also familiar with pilot purgatory, right? Because a lot of times things just get stuck in pilot mode and the end users from, from our experience today. And I know talking to you in the past, the same with you that they expect us, the technology holders to be the ones to go in and and get this installed. So that's, that's another, that's a good point that you're bringing up. If I want to, if I see this in our, in, in plus one's booth, and I go to Tompkins booth at Modex, how do I buy this? I mean, I've got a warehouse management system. I got to tie into this thing. I'm looking at an articulated arm. I'm tying into it plus one software, your software, your bots, your tables. Like, how in the heck am I going to buy this thing once I decide? Yep, I need that for my building.
0: Well, you know that's a multifold, multifaceted type of question. So many times when we do our first install for a customer, they want to just do a, a one off and do a simple interface with their with through an API with their WMS or their ERP or whatever is the inventory controlling and order controlling system they have. Um, if they're doing an installation where there's your technology, for example, and our technology, then they can contract us separately. They can t- contract us together. We, we have installations where we've done where we've supplied some lower-level conveyor along with robotic pick-in-place, such as Plus One technology, and our system. If they're doing a really large system, think of an auto store, okay. for example, yep. or a, a large sorting system. All of these different elements in a single building, um, we're not typically integrating that stuff, uh, and neither are you. No, no. But uh, the large integration people can do that. You know, there's a there's a lot of people out there like that. We're personally uh, partners with Bastion Solutions, and Kickerpults and Conveco, where we have uh, contractual agreements with them, yep. where they can be a reseller of our technology. And um, we're also in conversation with some other firms. But uh, if it's a large integrated system with a lot of elements, then we probably need to go with an integrator. And in all situations, you're going to need a warehouse execution system if you're going to be integrating multiple elements or complementary robotic solutions. So we have a warehouse execution system that we interface with a variety of WMS, other WES, and um, um, ERP systems. Um, and when you go with a large integrator, they always have their own warehouse execution
1: system. Yep. So I mean, it sounds like your experience is very similar to ours, is where they want you guys to do the pilot. Once you get through pilot season and they're okay with it, then they really want one throat to choke. It's okay to deal with plus one, it's okay, to you guys and everybody else. But then they, more often than not, I'm assuming they bring in someone like the Kikers and, and the Bastions of the world and saying, okay, you're going to roll all this technology up and you're the one responsible. You're the one holding the paper. Everything's going to go through you. That's that tends to be the way these things these things are working for us, anyways. I'm assuming that's that's your case as well. <clears throat> Excuse me, um, Brent.
0: You're exactly right. Okay. Um, if it's a, a larger, complicated rollout with a lot of different elements, yeah, they want an integrator to be in charge of it.
1: We do too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to take control of all the stuff that I'm uh, not good no, at. No, no. Um, and it, they do it faster, cheaper. You know, they 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 just that's that's their skill set and i i i prefer the integrators to to do the rollout and, and we stick with the pilots i'm with you 100% on that
0: yeah we we our integration partners um, uh, they are currently you know around 20% of our total volume that we're selling okay i see that changing over time yeah. and becoming more and more the path that uh, the majority of our sales come from down the road but not right now right now most of our sales are direct
1: awesome all right, so looking ahead, you know, we've got 2022. I can't believe we're already at the end of first quarter, <laughs> but we're, we're getting halfway through to 2022, 2023. What, what are you seeing? Like I said, we, we know there's going to be $10 billion spent in micro-fulfillment. There's going to be a lot more warehouses going up in the country. Where do you see Tompkins fitting in? how do you see this, 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 this whole roll-up happening? I think you're going to see uh, become more and
0: more prevalent that people are combining technologies. Uh, for example, we have four installations going on right now, where the auto store pick port is one inch away from the T sort table, and the person's picking out, putting onto the T sort. As it from the pick ports, we see more and more integrations like we're doing. Where robotic induction is working with technology, whether that be some a traditional sorter or our type of technology. Right. Um, you're going to see more and more robotic automation as opposed to traditional automation these um you know if i was at a conveyor company i would kind of wonder about the long-term future 10 20 years from now i don't think traditional automation from the 70s is really going to survive the next 10 15
1: 20 years it's going to be it's it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out but you, you you mentioned i mean really the reason this partnership came to play is Tompkins came to us they're doing all these installs their customer base is having labor problems like everybody else right so it's like how do we Robotically induct this stuff because we're we're doing a great job. We're getting all these sortation points, but they don't have the people to do it right. So, I do see more and more opportunity for robot to robot, robot to AMR, robot to AGV, whatever you want to call it. But robot to robot interaction going. It, the labor shortage in this country is not going to get better in the, over the next couple of years. It's just not the warehouse, the, yeah. the warehousing space that's being built. More automation needs to happen. There's going to be upskilling, and I think that's 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 a great thing about the partnership with us. Anyways, is that you know we talked about Yonder, you know the Yonder product. People are now taking people off the floor and they're putting them as crew chiefs, and and they're sitting behind the, the the computer and and running these robots or they're wrenching on the robots. They're doing different things other than just taking a package, scanning it, and throwing it onto a t-sort. Right. That's right. that's what I think the end user community wants to be able to do to be able to retain these employees, because not only are they having a tough time getting them, but the turnover rates in these buildings are nuts, right? So (laughs) I do see the 2022, 2023 ROI is not so much. It's funny how the, just in the last two years, how it's changed. It was all ROI driven. And now it's, I got to get my product out the door. How can I do this efficiently? I don't have people to do it. Still looking at ROI, they're always gonna beat you up on, on pricing, right? But at the end of the day, if you're gonna compete, you gotta you gotta automate. And it's that shift has happened, I'd say, in the last year where I've I haven't really noticed people looking at a oh, this needs to be two X or three X. It's just like how many packages can I get out the door to my customer base? Um so that's that's kind of where I see things going. And I, I think with technology like yours, it's just just the fact that you're that flexible too. I mean, there's so much you can do from a microfilm standpoint and standing up a warehouse in July to compete for peak. Um, it's really interesting.
0: Yeah. I think it's exciting times. Uh, uh, p- people ask me my background. It was not robotics until a few years ago, but I mean, I'm having the greatest time of my career right now. It's a lot of fun. It's very exciting. It's very dynamic. And there's a lot of change just coming up with new ideas. Um, we have a new robot called exchange that we're going to unveil at modex. And that machine will actually automate the exit side of sortation. Okay. So when the container's full or the e-commerce order is complete, this robot will pick up the container and shove an empty back in place so the sortation keeps going. We're partnering with firms such as Plus One, which is really exciting. I'm really happy and excited about what we're going to be showing at Modex. That's going to be really cool for uh, what we're going to have in your booth.
1: You made a comment Uh, – as we're wrapping up here, you made a comment to me last night when you, when you first saw the Tompkins robot, you had, what what was it? It was something, it was a commercial, the jet.com. My head exploded. Yeah. Right. So no, I think that's where we're, we're in a really cool industry right now. And that's, just changing every single day. And I'm, I love it. I don't know. I I, I know you do too because every time I see you, you're always selling to somebody or trying trying, to. You're on your soapbox like me. I get get it. I mean, I'm being
0: evangelical, telling them about uh, this is where the future's going.
1: You got to baptize them. But uh, I really appreciate you coming in. I feel like this was educational to people listening. I hope you got a kick out of it. And please come see Tompkins at Modex, come see Plus One at Modex. Um, again, thanks to Mike for coming in from Tompkins and we look forward to seeing you soon, um, for our next guest. Thank you so much. Stay in the loop powered by plus one robotics.